You're listening to the Employment Rights Online podcast, where we discuss everything employment rights and the job. Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the podcast. I hope we're all managing to stay safe in these testing times. This week's episode is all about updating you and answering questions on employment matters linked to the coronavirus or COVID-19 as it's commonly called. By now, as many as a fifth of the UK workforce will be working from home. Now, that's as many as six million workers. And there are, obviously, questions that workers are raising about their employment rights, particularly after the Prime Minister and the Chancellor's statements about payment to workers. So I'm going to try and deal with some of those today. So what's changed in employment rights since my last podcast? Well, firstly, if you're in between jobs and you're someone that was expected to attend Job Centre Plus appointments, those Job Centre appointments have been suspended for three months and you should receive some communication to that effect. And government has also assured us that all payments to Job Centre Plus applicants will continue as normal without you needing to attend the Job Centre. Job Centres are going to stay open for now, running a skeleton service to support those people who are not able to use telephones or online services. One of the developments that has transferred online is the proof of sickness process that you can follow if you're unfit for work because of COVID-19. If you're advised to stay at home because you believe you have COVID-19, then you're asked to visit NHS 111 online and apply for what's called an isolation note. Now, this service is only for people who have the symptoms of the coronavirus, who have used the 111 online coronavirus service, or for people who have been told by healthcare professionals that they have the symptoms of the coronavirus, or for people who live with someone who has the coronavirus or symptoms of the virus. It's quite specific. If you need to check whether you've got the symptoms of the virus, that check has also moved online because you're no longer able to visit your GP. You now have to take an online test to determine whether your symptoms are actually those of the coronavirus. I'll put a link to the 111 online coronavirus service at the bottom of the show notes where you're listening to this podcast. So you can click that link to get more information and also to take the online test. All you need to do is scroll down to the bottom of the show notes where you're listening to this podcast and you will see a live link 
for 111 online coronavirus service. Click that link and you're on your way. In terms of sick pay, the government is expecting to pass temporary legislation on a whole host of matters linked to COVID-19, of which sick pay is one such area. As I mentioned last week, if you do have to take sick leave from work due to COVID-19, sick pay will be paid from day one of your absence from work rather than the current rule, which is to pay from day four of your absence from work. And that rule applies from the 13th of March 2020. So it will be backdated to then whenever you make your application. It's important to note here that if your organisation operates an enhanced sick pay scheme, COVID-19 is not an opportunity or an excuse for your employer to deviate from that scheme. You should still receive the same payment rates that you would have received if you were off sick for any other form of illness. And what I mean by that is that some employers pay you full pay when you're off sick and they can't suddenly change and give you SSP if the company operates an enhanced sick pay scheme. So you've got to really be careful and make sure you're paid at the right rate. If you find that you're not being paid at the right sick pay rate, then we're into the realms of collecting evidence of your treatment, which you may be able to use at a later stage to bring a complaint against your employer. Because Even though we are into emergency measures for employment, those measures do not affect your employment rights and you're still entitled to full employment rights and your employer must observe those employment rights and can't deviate from them just because we're into emergency employment measures due to the coronavirus. One of the biggest changes to happen since the last podcast episode is the introduction of the term furloughed workers. A furloughed worker is a worker who's been sent home from work temporarily, but has been kept on the employer's payroll rather than being laid off. You're likely to be a furloughed worker if your employer cannot cover your wages due to the impact of COVID-19. And in the face of these difficulties, your employer has furloughed your role to avoid making you redundant. In return for not ending your employment, your employer can access support from the government under what is called the Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme. This is a scheme that will allow your employer to claim a grant that will cover up to 80% of your wages, up to a limit of £2,500 per month. You will then receive these payments as long as you don't complete any work for your employer whilst you're at home. Now, of course, there might be small amounts of monitoring work that you may have to complete, but you should not be asked to complete your normal day job from home 
if you're a furloughed worker. Now, in terms of only receiving 80% of your salary, unfortunately, this is the level set by the government. Your employer could choose to fund the missing 20% of your salary, but there is no legal responsibility on your employer to do this under the coronavirus job retention scheme. If you're still struggling after receiving your 80% payment, you may still be eligible to receive support through other benefit support systems like universal credit. But you'll need to apply and be means tested to see if you qualify for that extra payment. You'll also find a link to the universal credit portal at the bottom of the show notes where you're listening to this podcast. Just scroll down to find those links. The coronavirus job retention scheme will be in place for at least three months, but government has said that there are plans to extend the scheme if this situation goes on for much longer in the critical way that we're seeing now. What you need to note is that it is your employer that must apply for the coronavirus job retention scheme which means that you won't get the payment if your employer doesn't apply on your behalf. Your employer needs to contact HMRC to designate you as a furloughed worker and must also accept that your employment rights are still protected by employment law despite your furloughed status. Once your employer applies, then everything is managed through HMRC there might be some delay in you receiving your 80% salary. So just bear that in mind because there are going to be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of workers that are going to be pushed through this scheme. Now, an important point to note here is that if you find yourself in the position of being asked to renegotiate aspects of your employment rights or your contract of employment, and you're worried about this, please seek advice as soon as possible, either from Employment Rights Online or ACAS or your trade union or any other advisory body. Please don't be frightened into accepting changes to your contract or your employment rights without at least taking some time to review those changes. And any changes you're asked to make should not be asked of you as a basis for you receiving your 80% salary. The only change you should accept is that you remain at home and not work for anyone else. There is no government instruction that your employer can make changes to your contract or to your employment rights, add or take away anything as a condition of you receiving your salary payments. So please bear that in mind. I've been asked a question about whether workers can still receive holiday pay and be furloughed. Now, there's no government advice about this, but it's likely that all normal work and pay practices, including holiday pay, bonuses, shift allowances and enhanced payments, are likely to be suspended in return for the 80% salary payments for workers to remain at home on a furloughed status. If you're working normally and being paid normally, then 
everything happens as if the coronavirus was not here. However, if you're a furloughed worker, then it's likely that all other aspects of pay are suspended until your furloughed status has changed. If the government gives guidance about this, then I'll report on that in a future podcast episode. Now, an important distinction here is that if your employer decides to lay you off from work in the normal way and end your employment, let's say, for example, your employer decides to close their business permanently, you could be facing a dismissal from your job. And if this happens, your employer must dismiss you in the right way and must pay you all money owing to you. To not do so is a breach of your employment rights for unlawful deductions from your wages. And that is also something you can complain about to an employment tribunal. Additionally, any worker who has more than two years service and finds themselves being dismissed from work has additional employment rights during the dismissal process. And you remember, if you're following the podcast, we talked about these in earlier editions of the podcast. Now, these dismissal rights must be followed because if not, you are able to bring allegations of unfair dismissal to an employment tribunal but you must have the two years service to get access to those rights. So make sure you're being fairly treated if you're being permanently dismissed from your job. And if you're not fairly treated, then you must take immediate action to secure your rights in law. Another question that I've been asked is whether being furloughed is the same as being laid off. Well, before the government's job retention scheme, the answer was no, because before that time, if you were laid off from work, this meant that your employer was letting you go from your job, whether temporarily or permanently. But in effect, it meant that you were being dismissed from your job and there was no work. And after the date that you were laid off, there would be no pay. Now, this would usually happen because the employer could no longer afford to pay you because their business was down or for other economic reasons. Now, if things went on to improve at a later date, the employer could then re-engage you. That means return you back to work and you would be rehired and your length of service would continue from the hiring date, but it wouldn't include the time that you were laid off. Today, however, being furloughed can mean the same as being laid off if your employer is going to access the government's job retention scheme. The key thing here is that your employer must access the scheme. If you're laid off outside the scheme then in effect, you could be losing your job. Another point to raise here is that if you're receiving lower wage payments or sick pay, you should also consider applying for help with your rent. And you can also do this via the Universal Credit Portal. Now, as I said earlier, there is an eligibility criteria for this benefit. But I guess 
until you actually go through the portal and answer the questions, you won't know whether you're going to get those rent payments. Remember, in last week's episode, I already detailed the help that governments are giving to people with mortgages. This week, there's a little bit more help for people who pay their rent to a social housing landlord. So check the Universal Credit Portal and see whether you meet the entitlement criteria to get help with your rent. Another question raised was what rights workers have if the employer closes the workplace. Now that employees have been instructed by government to close the workplace, if you're classified as a furloughed worker, then you get the 80% salary payment. Now, because this payment is paid through HMRC, only those employees and workers who are registered as paying PAYE, that's the pay-as-you-earn scheme, through their employers will be eligible for the 80% salary payment. Unfortunately, this does nothing for the hundreds of thousands of workers who are on zero-hours contracts and quasi-self-employed contracts. And as of now, the government has not made any announcements about help for people with these types of contracts, except the advice, which is for workers to access universal credit payments. Now, if you qualify for universal credit payments, you're likely to receive as little as £400 to £500 a month, if that, which will only cover a fraction of your living costs. And this is why there are still lobbies going on to try to improve this situation for people on zero-hours contracts, quasi-self-employed contracts, and of course, people who are self-employed. And you can be assured that if there is any change to this situation, I'll bring you the update in a future edition of the podcast. The final thing I want to focus on is the responsibility of your employer to protect you at work if you are identified as a high-risk worker. Remember, employment rights are still in effect and that means your employer has a health and safety at work responsibility to protect you if you're identified as a high-risk worker. And that's the case particularly for workers working in the NHS and working in local authority social care. And quite rightly, these groups of workers are really worried about their safety. It's simply not acceptable for your employer to not assess the risks posed to you if you work in a high-risk environment or where you have a high risk of being exposed to a person with COVID-19. At the very least, your employer should provide you with personal protective equipment or PPE as it's now commonly referred to. You have a perfectly reasonable and legal expectation to be as best protected as possible under the health and safety at work regulations, particularly if you are likely to be in the direct path of exposure. If this does not happen, you are still protected by employment law and under your employment rights, you can raise a complaint with your employer about this, 
with an expectation that your employer will address your concerns. Now, everything is a bit ad hoc at the moment and you have lots of things coming at you from different directions. But the law is the law on this matter. And if things are not working out, but you still feel obliged to go to work, and we can see that happening for doctors and nurses and social workers and people who are literally on the front line, then all you can do is keep records of everything you do so you can track your actions and track the requests that you have made for PPE should there be a delay in dealing with your complaint. When things calm down, then these complaints can be taken up at a later date. And that's it for this week's update. Hopefully you've been able to pick something out of the podcast that can assist you. Please look after yourself and your families and I'll see you here for next week's episode of the podcast. Bye for now.